0: Robert, Scott, the Bell Robert Show. Scott Bell Show. All right, welcome to the Robert Scott Bell Show, special edition in time. Look at that. The Robert Scott Bell Show logo just popped up almost over Super Don's face. And look who it is with us today. Dr. Ravi Kulisekara is back. After he was at the Great Smokies Mountain, I don't know what he was smokeying, but he had a great time with the fam. How you doing, buddy? Good to see you. I'm him. doing
1: great. I'm doing great. Hey, if you go to the Smokies, you not only smoke, but you get moonshine, too. <laughs> you know about moonshine. <laughs> uh-huh. I do. He's
0: plugged in as well. So, <laughs> so Super D, we got some stories to cover today on Friday. This is a travel day for me, heading to a memorial service for Stephen Quinto, the man who right. developed the technology for sovereign silver and more. And, It will be more of a celebration of his life. I mean, it's certainly sad to lose a loved one, anybody. But as you see here, um, we're going to be doing that Saturday, the the, uh, 10th, uh, in Sarasota. And then I'll be heading back in in studio. We have also Morley Robbins scheduled for Sunday's radio broadcast. uh, Pre-recorded that new information on Copper. I'm going to go through with him as well. And Super D, I know you got stuff to do, but uh, any announcements, any things that you want to share before you got to run some errands while we stick around and do the show?
1: Not that I can think of, I've got uh, I've got some emails that are going to be going out here soon. We've got some upcoming events, okay. um, including the one that we talked about yesterday with Jonathan Otto. Yes. Um, so if you want to get info on that and get plugged into these uh, upcoming webinars, there's a bunch of them. Oh yeah. That we haven't even talked about yet. Um, and so I'll have emails going out on those uh, okay. in addition to the uh, the regular newsletter, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera, just text two two eight uh, excuse me, RSB. I can't even get my own one right. Yeah. RSB to two two eight two eight, and that uh, will give you an opportunity to get plugged into the daily newsletter.
0: Look at that! I doubled up on logos and overlays. Now I'm confused. All right, there we go. Yes, text RSB to two two eight two eight. You're like all a right.
1: little kid. Just don't put you around any buttons because all if kinds you see of fun one, to push. push.
0: Yeah, and no matter how hard I try, I can't push Robbie's buttons. He's just too cool. A- <laughs> Too cool a cat, man. He just rolls with it and laughs with it, and that's why we love him. But I do, I do see you look like you got maybe a little sunburn in the Smokies. Did you get a little redness uh there? Uh,
1: no, I think that happened out in uh East Harbor, out in Sandusky, this weekend, oh. this past weekend, yeah.
0: Now, what I remember of Sandusky, Ohio, and I've never been there, but I knew a guy. when this is going so far back, Robbie, talking about the kind of jobs I did out of high school. In fact, you know, in high school, let's see, I worked at Stone Mountain Park on the railroad in, in, you know, concessions and different things that you would do as a 14, 15, and 16 years of age. And then, uh, going through school, little various odd jobs I would do. And then mm-hmm. I think my senior year, I graduated early, I finished like first semester or something. So I was like, I'll go out and get some, some work. Cause I was going to do some community college courses before I went to Emory. And I got a job with a, a local shoe store that had like three or four or five stores They were family owned business. And that was out, uh, in Snellville, Georgia. Snellville, Georgia. And um, what was it that triggered that memory? You said you had, uh, I was asking about sunburn and I'm already losing it.
1: East Harbor in Sandusky, yeah.
0: Okay, so here's the Sandusky thing. Okay, yeah. thank you. I was like, how am I getting there? I lost my track completely. This is not a good sign, but thankfully Dr. Ravi is here to save me. So um, there was a guy who was an assistant manager at the store, manager of that store, and he had a funny, strange Ohio accent that I'd never heard before. He was really hardcore Ohioan, Midwesterner, he was from Sandusky, and I learned that they had like this most incredible roller coaster amusement park in Sandusky. Is that still That's there?
1: Right. Yes, yes, it's uh, Cedar Point. Uh-huh. Cedar
0: Point. Now, did you do any of those things? Or-
1: no, I- I'm not. A, to be honest, I'm not a huge roller coaster fan because mm-hmm. I think it's partly because I don't know if you knew this or not, but I have like spinal a mild form of spina bifida, so I can get my back ah. thrown out real easy. Gotcha. No, so it I don't didn't. do things that are. I mean, that I have that no, mean, no control over.
0: That means I have to hug you more gently next time I see you?
1: <laughs> no, I'm, a, I'm okay with that.
0: <laughs> All right.
1: It's just a high-speed coaster. I can do, like, non-high-speed ones, but the Cedar Point coasters are, like, yeah. They're next, they're
0: next level, yes. Yeah. You know, I, I took my kids uh, before uh, Ari started senior year, or the last day before school started, I think, or something, uh, to an amusement park. And I rode crazy, these crazy rides. There was like one I refused to get on, but I did it for the most part. And I survived better, which was for me, a litmus to show that the things that I'm doing have strengthened me because Mm -hmm. there were some years back, I went to an amusement park. I think we were back in Atlanta. We went to Six Flags there with the kids and it knocked my spine so far out my neck. I was headachy. I was hurting. And I remembered that. And I, I was a little nervous about getting back on the coasters. Now it's many years ago that I did that. Not so many that maybe within the last 10 or so but i still had a memory of maybe i'm too old for the coasters
1: and i mean you know those what? things uh those things can be dangerous because i remember you know a couple of years ago i think you know we, we took our kid to uh i don't know you know i think in our time it was called mr rogers neighborhood i don't know if you i'm sure you've heard of the show yeah uh, but it's now called daniel tiger's neighborhood and then they have this thing with little spinning saw you know cups and saws yes, yes. and i'm like oh this looks you know pretty benign
0: those are, so we are you know three yeah. in
1: number, so like the two get in one i was put in one by myself and you know i think my weight you know like the weight was it imbalanced. spun it around yeah it kept spinning and spinning and spinning and it gets faster with, yeah. you know and they were letting people off so i was up there for a while i got down and i'll tell you for two weeks yeah. I, I had a headache and i was nauseous and oh, i'm like my gosh. that yeah. shook something up in my head and luckily yeah. i kind of went away but
0: well, yeah, uh, and it's interesting you say that because there was one ride similar to that, <clears throat> that I went on much against my better judgment. Yeah. And I was just dizzy, but thankfully no long lasting effects. And then as I, my point is, is sharing this as well, is that the things that I've done in terms of physical fitness in the last mm-hmm. few years have genuinely strengthened my body physically to where I could take that kind of temporary yeah, yeah. assault from a roller coaster. And I was fine. I didn't get thrown out of alignment this time. So. Part of the connective tissue integrity is not only, of course, what we eat, getting the right minerals in, but also working our body. Like our bodies are designed to be worked right. We push it, we, it it deals with gravity and occasionally it can deal with a little excess force and be okay when I was weaker and I wasn't doing the kind of exercise I do today, or even know all the things I know about minerals today. I was vulnerable and I'm, I'm talking probably in my forties when that Mm -hmm. happened, you know, Mm -hmm. now mid fifties I'm, I'm better, I'm stronger. Uh, so these are the things I like to share with people about how, even if we have strengths and weaknesses, like you said, you have a weakness there that right. we can shore those up and be okay through a lot of the challenges of life if we know how to do it.
1: Absolutely, yeah. And I have a, you know, I had experience with, uh, actually, Cedar Point itself. I used to work with a guy uh, when I was working at Goodyear, and he was like, maybe his mid-30s, avid roller coaster fan. And he went, they just started having this big, you know, fast coaster. And he was, he went on it like a couple of times, came to work, and was feeling like a little off and he went home and he was not doing well so they went took him to the er and he was like real close to apparently having some sort of aneurysm because he mm-hmm. is you know he ruptured some artery somewhere and i'm like whoa you know so yeah i mean those things as like you said i mean if you're not in good shape uh they can actually be dangerous i mean the those yeah. g forces are you know pretty strong so yeah we well and see. they usually
0: yeah they usually have those warnings and i'm thinking yep well, that'll never apply to me and then it, right. then, and then it did and i'm like oh i don't like that it applied to me so I, it wasn't my intent to be able to ride a coaster again but it it worked anyway like I said yeah. so the, my point is use your body uh yeah it's designed yeah. to be used we we have a sedentary lifestyle in the west because we could have one and mm-hmm. yet the, the entire history of humanity is like except for kings and queens of old everybody had to work their tushies off to earn a living or to, to, to make right. food viable for their, yeah. So we're not using our bodies as design. So we have to do it all artificially. Mm-hmm. In a sense, we go to a, a gym or a workout facility and yeah. and do things that were normally par for the course of life itself. And, you know, I wish in a sense that, how would I say this? We all were doing it all the time because it was just what we're doing, but uh, it's foreign to us. Many of us. At this yeah. Point.
1: Yeah. I think, I think our lives have gotten so Complex and we're busy with stuff all the time, I and mean, like I think that's part of the problem. I think we don't find the time to do things that actually make us healthier, and we find the time to do exactly the opposite.
0: Yeah, so, well, exactly. And then we have modern medicine to come rescue us. No, wait a second, not rescue us, cause us more problems. Right? <laughs> um, there's an article here from the Defender Children's Health Defense. Uh, And it's uh, how modern medicine fails to protect children from chronic disease. I'm like, protect them from it. They they're causing it.
1: Causing. Yeah.
0: I'm like, it just astonishes me that even today, as much as I've been at this for years and you've been at this for years, as we communicate these things, I I get this exasperation occasionally go, how are we still falling for the myth of modern medicine actually being a legitimate healthcare system?
1: Well, I mean, they're not designed to keep healthy people healthy i mean that's the whole point right i mean they're they're designed to keep sick people from not getting sicker for the most part while managing the symptoms or whatever you want to call it so i mean like healthcare starts with people knowing how to stay healthy uh, which is what we do uh, and which is what you know now apparently is causing heart attacks in people. Because I just recently read an article about a cardiologist who said that there was uh, most of her patients, young patients who were getting myocarditis were taking some sort of supplement. And uh, obviously, she, she must have forgotten to ask them if they got the COVID vaccine. But, you know,
0: thank you for pointing that out. I mentioned that on yesterday's show because yeah. I, I barely had time to cover that story. And I'm like, I was reading this about heart arrhythmias. and I'm thinking, well, this is a, an important story to cover let's talk about it. And then as I'm reading it, it's like, Oh, they're, they're trying to claim a dietary supplement. Did that, yeah. you know, they okay, here are the possibilities in, in the case of an adulterated supplement or somebody abusing something like, you know, a caffeinated supplement. Okay. Granted that could happen, right? But where's the concern for all the people given arrhythmias by a COVID jab and, or any number of uh, ailments, illnesses and deaths caused by various FDA approved pharmaceuticals on a regular basis throughout the age span
1: yeah i mean those don't exist because you know it's bad for business and you know to be honest i mean i just started watching i don't know if you saw this there was a there's a netflix series called dope sick uh it's a true story it's about how they got people in the appalachian region and i i was my trip to the smokies actually got me really interested in you know these the that region the people i mean even the you know the the native people out there mm-hmm. uh really interesting history out there and then you know they, they targeted the people in that area with oxycontin it's the whole story of how you know they finally you know the oxycontin life fell through and they knew from the get-go that that drug was addictive and they lied to everybody about it uh, it's a great document. I documentary I things a six-part you know uh, series based on their true story which I think people should watch. I mean, like these are the same people that we trusted with this, you know, this new vaccine. I mean, I don't understand that. I mean, like when people know what they're capable of doing and what they have done over and over and over again, got caught doing it. And then, you know, they come out with something else and then we all believe them to be the saviors. I mean, you know, they are not. Uh, it's a business. It's a business that is designed to make them money and to keep us sick. And this is why our 54% of our children have some kind of chronic illness uh, and they're on some kind of medication. That's, you know, absolutely sad. And then yeah. the government who is also in cahoots with them may try to make this normal.
0: Yeah. I, I just, you know, I remember my childhood, how can I forget it? It was mine and having the ailments and I was the weird one, the sick one, even though. I used my will to overcome a lot as a child, but it was all I knew. And I didn't even know it was technically abnormal because I never asked my parents about what they were like when they were kids until it was much, much later mm-hmm. in, in my childhood. And, and it occurred to me, Hey, you know how I have all these allergies, dad? Did you have those? No. Mom, did yeah. you have those? No. Yeah. Uh, were all your friends sick like me. No. Well, what yeah. the heck happened? What happened in the span of a generation? Yeah. Now, For me, of course, I recognize our or my upbringing, we were eating, you know, more chemically grown and processed foods in my lifetime. That was the first generation that had access to fast food as a staple, for instance, if you wanted it, as opposed to once in a while, you'd go out for a treat. Mm -hmm. And, you know, whatever weaknesses I had, the food exploited it, much less the vaccines, which were very few relative to what happened to the next generations. And it drove me to learn what I've learned in this lifetime. You know, my Mm -hmm. suffering was part of the gift you know in retrospect from god i yeah. believe to say hey here's what we're going to do we're going to send you to earth you're going to be sick as a kid you'll, you'll be all right you'll make through but you're going to be annoyed and it's not gonna be always pleasant but you're going to be motivated to want to learn how and why you're sick and you're going to learn how and why you can help other people too and yeah. i look at that as a part my, you know part of my journey my life's mission i don't think it's just one thing for everybody the same thing but certainly my journey there and we've we've intertwined on our journeys together with your desire to help others to heal as well. And maybe you can remind folks, some of them, some of them know your backstory as to why you do what you do as a, you know, cause you have a PhD you know, in, in something that you're like, Whoa, what is he doing? He has a PhD in that. Well, how come he's doing what he's doing?
1: Right. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, people are awake on a different, you know, stages of their life, but you know, before I forget, I wanted to, you know, like, so you and I were kind of born in the same time period. Yeah. But, I mean, you know, so what you just said, you know, about your childhood, contrast that to mine. I mean, like, you know, we grew up with no fast food. I mean, you know, fast food was not available in Sri Lanka till, like, I think the early 90s. And, you know, we grew up eating, you know, real food, very little, you know, processed stuff, very little, you know, things, you know, because we didn't have the money to get it either. I mean, like, no, you know, not a lot of meat and stuff like that. I don't ever recall being, like, chronically ill. I mean, I got measles, I got chicken pox, and I'm pretty sure I got mums because we all, you know, the four of us, the siblings, got it together. Mm-hmm. Uh, other than that, I mean, the occasional co- 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 you know, cold cough maybe, you know, every once in a while, but, I mean, we, we were never sick. I mean, and we had, you know, flooding four times a year with all the, you know, crap in the water in your house i mean we were exposed to all kinds of stuff and on Mm -hmm. top of that we used to like you know uh run around in the you know drain you know sewage water and things i mean you (laughs) talk about
0: a different upbringing in sri lanka than most people here in america by far you say how are you even alive scenario and and yet here you are so you know a different even though we came onto this planet around the same time your experience was different, but God obviously some, some, something drove you to do what you do today. And again, that's the shorter version, but keep going on your journey here.
1: Yeah. So, you know, I came here in 1989. So, you know, I, you know, did my PhD and I actually started working in, um, like I mentioned earlier, Goodyear. I mean, you know, it was a good job. And then I got laid off from there. I went back to school, uh, then studied to do, you know, uh, medical physics, which was in, you know, cancer care. Then I worked there in four, you know, in that field. I think I was there for 14 years, got both certified. I think I, you know, I reached the highest position there in about eight years of my me being in the field. And the last five of those, uh, I was the chief physicist at one of the community hospitals. But being in cancer care, I think opened my eyes because I could see that many of these people actually had what I called a lifestyle disease. I mean, you could tell that, you know, this was not something that they were told was genetic hereditary, or, you know, they didn't know how it happened. Uh, It was basically, you know, diet and lifestyle and environment. I mean, that's what was causing the cancers. And we were not telling people how to prevent it. Uh, We were just trying to, you know, kill it, which, I think you know that's one of the biggest things in medicine that I have found is you know they want to kill everything. Uh,
0: it's, I, a, it's a it's an industry of murderous rampage.
1: Yeah, and 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 unfortunately, you know, I think it's time that people understood and they understood that if you kill everything around you, you kill yourself because we are part of this big microbiome that is inside of us, on us, outside of us, and everywhere around us. You can't kill everything, so. And the same way, I mean, once you develop enough deficiency and toxicity in your body to develop that into a cancer or a damaged cell which progressively grows out of control, which is what, you know, mostly the cancer is, you know, that, that you can't just get rid of it. I mean, unless you address the root cause. And this is the reason why, you know, some people that we work with were actually doing integrative medicine and they actually, I could see, were having, you know, like a much better quality of life as opposed mm-hmm. to the people who just did, and I worked in radiation therapy. So that was like one of the places where we, you know, burned people mm-hmm. uh, to a point where, you know, parts of their, you know, skin fell off or, you know, organs fell off or got burned or developed secondary cancers. I mean, that's, you know, the reality of it. Some people did get, you know, rid of their cancers and, you know, hopefully they changed their diets and lifestyles and didn't, you know, cause it to recur uh, because, you know, I only worked in the field 14 years so i usually you know some can return after like even 15 years mm-hmm. uh and then many people didn't make it so and then when i got there i got this you know like i i realized that we didn't even have like somebody telling these people what to eat there was no dietitian or stuff and that was like a real eye open i'm like we need to be telling these people how to cause less toxicity yeah. in their bodies what when, we when did them? you
0: when did you first encounter dietitians and, and and find out how disappointing they were in their nutritional knowledge? <laughs> yeah, that that was
1: uh, quite an eye-opener too. I mean, it was actually my second year at my last, you know, place of work because that's where how long it took for me to get them to hire somebody. Mm-hmm. And then I listened in to one of her consults and I'm like, oh boy. I mean, like, you know, <laughs> I think I could have done a better job, but I, you know, legally I couldn't. So that was, you know, not didn't go all that well. But at least, you know, these people got some idea that they needed to include fruits and vegetables in their diet i mean they needed to somehow cause you know nutritionally support their body so that the, you know the immune system could work you know in getting rid of the cancer because at the end of the day people may not realize this your immune system has to get rid of that you know that toxic part of in your body which is growing which is a cancer i mean like nothing else will get rid of it Uh, And if you don't support that immune system or don't, you know, bring it up to a level where it can actually fight something uh, on your behalf, you're not going to win that battle. So that's what got me, you know, started in looking at like what's available out there. And of course, I ran into somebody who was a Trinity graduate and uh, I looked into their program and I liked it. I actually did. uh, I was doing that program while I was working uh, long hours. and. I think I, you know, five years and three days later, I just uh, gave my resignation and, you know, just started my own practice. Another thing that triggered me to move in that direction was the, the, you know, vaccine mandates that came out in 2012, which was basically, you know, uh, get a flu shot or lose your job. I was the only person in that whole department uh, at the uh, cancer center who actually said no. Uh, Everybody Mm -hmm. else just rolled over because, you know, People don't fight for what I think they believe in or, you know, what they think is not right uh, in this country for some reason. I, I don't know what
0: we we I- have been to some degree. Feminized, and I, I say that mm-hmm. at the risk of, of insulting people, and I'm not trying to insult anybody. There's a feminine and masculine in all of us, right? They all have unique properties. And of course, women typically express the feminine more than the, the masculine, vice versa for men. But the reality is we have these this duality in our existence as well. I yep. recognize that. And yet, if we can argue from an endocrine disruptive scenario, that men who would normally have that. Normal inclination to go, Oh, you're telling me what to do. Oh, you're not going to mm-hmm. tell me what you're not going to mandate for me and my wife or my kid. Huh? You know, that's my d-. yeah, and yet it's feminized men to a great degree to the point where they become just willing, obedient dogs yeah. to the yeah. government. And if the moms wake up, which they have in watching their children taken from them, and I don't necessarily mean physically, but yes, yeah, sometimes that, but via the vaccine campaigns that have resulted in horrendous. Uh, deaths and or or uh, chronic diseases, autism, etc., and they speak out. And sometimes the dads are like, "You don't know what you're doing," and we'll side with the doctor. We've heard that. Mm-hmm, so for mm-hmm. all these years, it was warrior moms who yeah. were trying to wake us all up, and the dads were still reluctant because they were believing the doctors more than their wives, who are the mothers of their children. Yeah. Now yeah. there were some dads that that were awake to that. I'm not trying to throw everybody under the bus in saying so, but the question of you know the willingness to defend life and all of that part of it can be explained by the disruption to the endocrine normalcy or optimal endocrine function in a man Uh, for instance i just say that
1: i think you're right i mean like you know every person that i've encountered who has this you know this conflict at home regarding vaccination the person siding with the mainstream narrative is almost always a man and you're right so you know and yet our household it's you know I, i'm the one who actually woke up first and I, I wouldn't have done that unless i had actually gone through that whole mandate process because you know my first kid was you know thankfully born in the 90s so she didn't get as many vaccines as the uh, as they give now and the second one is not because you know and and that's because i intentionally looked for the information yeah, and now you know you can't shut me up. I mean, I'm, I'm, you know, on the roof. Nor would auditor. we want to, <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> so you know, uh, that's the you know, I'll, I'll let you know when I do. But I'm, I'm, I'm starting to do these events, which I, which I started doing back in two thousand eighteen, nineteen. I think it's you know, with Michelle uh, and Potter, the gang here, yeah, yeah. yeah, with which we called ethical discussions on vaccines, because what is missing from this conversation is. Ethical, an ethical discussion. I mean, like you know, mm. what are we not being told? I mean, what's the science out there that even sometimes the doctors don't know? I mean, I'm running into doctors who have no clue uh, about what I know, and you know, usually their training is to not believe someone on the outside who has not walked the hallowed halls of right. you know, medicine. But uh, given some of the information, uh, you know, in, that is. Reviewed and published, some of these people actually do start to you know wonder if what's going on is what they have been actually told. So you know, and COVID kind of put a dent in that because I was doing these meetings here at the library. So I'm now starting to actually, like, because of you know censorship on the social media networks, are you uh, going to do doing,
0: in-person meetings coming I'm up? I'm going to do. I'm
1: going to do in-person, and I, you know, I'm having people contact me if you know, like their pastor or their church you know wants to hear more than i go there and it's not what i do usually when i go there and i've done these in churches in new york and ohio and you know in this you know around this mm-hmm. area it's like not me telling you what you should know but I, I i open the floor it's a open forum i need people to get engaged in the discussion yeah and tell you learn, tell learn me the, but yeah
0: the freedom to question yeah uh, to engage intellectually and you talk about ethics that's interesting uh, and there's an article here from the Brownstone Institute related to something we're discussing right now, that so-called experts are still pushing the coerced jabs, mm-hmm. despite all evidence within even the scientific realm that they yeah. don't work at yeah. best. No, there is no at best. Uh, they Great. they don't work and they're causing so many problems. And yet there are still others that are saying, well, no, no, you still need to get them. And here's the booster. And here's the next booster. And I was like, it's stunning to me that there are people still doing this. I'm not Surprise fully, uh, because people that are true believers in a cult—it's uh, often hard for them to wake up and see what they're participating in.
1: Yeah, 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 and 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 that kind of you know to my point, if you if someone actually takes the time and goes online and and does a PubMed search about COVID vaccine and myocarditis, there's currently at least twenty-five to thirty publications done within the last year and a half. Uh, that actually shows positive correlation. So the people who are pushing the vaccine saying, okay, the risk is minimal, probably never read these publications. And the public don't know because they are not telling them that. And they are telling them that it's still safe and effective and that everybody should get it. Even though it's now a coronavirus, it's endemic. Uh, in most people, You know, almost the entire world has now at least got it once, uh, if not twice. And we're going to continue to get it because that's how coronavirus, you know, coronaviruses operate. I mean, like all the other, you know, seven coronaviruses that affect us do the same thing. So now they are like suggesting, still causing this booster and they're suggesting annual shots now also as well, uh, which to me doesn't make absolutely any zero sense because the variants that are going around in the world, it's, just, it's going to be similar to the flu shot, right? Uh, so in 1918, you know, the flu pandemic or whatever you want to call it came and went, and that strain of the flu virus is what we still use in our flu vaccine. And the flu vaccine is not effective at all. I mean, even people who believe in the COVID vaccine and are still, you know, fearful of dying from getting COVID, you know, the lie that they propagated, know the flu vaccine doesn't work, right? So what's the difference? I mean, like, you know, it's going to be with us for the next 100 years. So now they're starting to put a business plan together where they are going to tell people that this vaccine is going to protect you from, you know, whatever variable variant of COVID that comes around. Mm -hmm. And it's going to be an annual event, which to me, it blows my mind because, you know, most years they don't get the flu shot strain correct. So it's not effective i mean some years it's totally ineffective ten I mean, percent.
0: Oh, like, yeah. how many years have we been covering the ineffectivity and yeah. efficacy or whatever it's just embarrassing and the Cochrane collaboration was one of the first to point that out uh but even now the desire as they've said for many years to have a universal flu vaccine right this this lends itself to what the mrna technology that is a disaster in every yeah. way shape or form that they're yeah. Their desire and goal, of course, is to have MRNA shots for everything Mm -hmm. uh, and every six months boosters for everything. And of course, they're killing the population that has received them already and they want to add more to the mix. Uh, I just, again, I shake my head and go, man, some people, I guess we can't wake up. Those people that are even foisting it on us or the people that are willing to roll up their sleeves and get more of these things, despite the fact that the flu itself doesn't impact everybody the same way. And some people don't, don't get impacted by it at all. And no. we never study. We, I say, they never study why the people that are well, stay well. Yep. That'd be the the, the the trick for everybody to go, oh, well, let's do what that dude's doing. or that guy or that gal? And find out what is working in their immune systems that is not working in others, that they succumb right. to it. Or acknowledging that even if you do, and the response is flu-like symptoms, that that's not the disease itself either. That's the body trying to correct whatever's going on, typically an overburdened system, a detox, a liver that's congested, and on and on. Mm-hmm. And 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 you know we still look at the symptoms as the disease, which is horribly wrong.
1: Yeah, yeah. And don't forget, I mean, like you know, the flu shot insert itself says that it's not effective at preventing the flu. The effectiveness, what they're talking about, because if you if you really look into the you know the, the language they use, right? They said they say it's effective but effective against what mm-hmm. so it's only effective at not sending you to a hospital if you get the flu so basically mitigating you know this the severity of the symptoms that's the same thing that they're promising with the covid shot too so you know people are not smart enough to figure out like okay so how many people are actually getting severe you know covid right now who are not vaccinated and the number is very small uh, the people who are vaccinated are getting more severe symptoms from COVID, the new variants, than those who are not vaccinated, which is, you know, what was predicted way before even the shot came, you know, Mm -hmm. on the market. So we're not talking science here. I mean, like, you know, we're talking about marketing. That's what it appears to me. And, you know, like the marketing is that everybody should get, you know, an annual shot of this mRNA vaccine, like you said, and they don't even know what variant they're going to use. So it's going to be somebody's random guess, but again, you're asking your body to produce spike proteins using your own, you know, DNA, mm-hmm. which could go horribly wrong for a lot of people because and, not and everybody yes. has the same, you know, composition. I'm not—I mean, like, not composition, but the, you know, the, the systems are not all the same. Right. Somebody could have some kind of, you know, mitochondrial disorder or some kind of genetic disorder or whatever that doesn't make these proteins fold you know correctly uh what are we going to do then uh and like yeah. i said i mean i do biofeedback you know testing on almost you know not almost every client of mine i'm starting to see things that are looking like prion signatures which are misfolded proteins uh i mean the two prion diseases that we know of in humans are fatal
0: yeah creutzfeldt jakob uh, C- C- human variant yeah. cjd of which by the way my father in law my wife's mother died from back in the 90s uh, when it, they yep. used to call it mad cow disease yep. and uh the cdc tried to cover it up because they were pretending there didn't exist in america it right. was only in england right. so we we've lived through that and it's a horrible horrible thing to witness uh robbie the good news is i don't know if you saw this and i when i first saw it i was kind of like not good news uh view of it but 30 percent of americans apparently did not get one COVID jab and, yep. and and why i thought that was not good is like well Thirty percent. I mean, seventy yeah. percent may have actually gotten. Right. I'm not happy about that. At the same time, Super Don pointed out correctly. So that's probably ten times more resistance, or mm. hesitancy, or obstinacy about a vaccine that's not a vaccine anyway uh, that ever happened before. As we've been covering this for years on this show, one percent, two, maybe three percent, yeah, and, and that had any hesitancy or resistance to getting shots at all. And now, thirty percent said no. I'm not going to do the COVID jab, and and many of those people are now questioning all jabs. So
1: yeah, yeah. So I think they, I think they made that mistake by using fear. Because if you look at the the uh, and and this was you know I, this is when I started looking at this whole thing with the flu vaccine. I mean, we never the flu vaccine never had a you know a uptake ratio, you know more than fifty percent. And I think the even with the mandates. Uh, it never got up above sixty some percent. So I mean, like that's like caution, fear, everything put together. I mean, like there's still a thirty, forty percent of the people in America that you know say like no way. I mean, like I'm not getting coerced into getting this. So I think mm-hmm. those people are the same ones probably who didn't get the COVID shot. But like you said, and some of them may have like taken it, you know, out of fear or like you know, I mean, because they pushed a re- the, the fear campaign was really well done and pushed really hard. So I don't, I probably wouldn't fault the the 10% who rolled over on the first jab. But I think if you look at the data for the boosters, a lot of people didn't get it.
0: They didn't go uh, back once they had the first or, but some did get the second experience. I've done a, participated in a documentary uh, interviewing many people who yeah. have been injured by one or two or more of the COVID jabs. Yeah, And some of them, as you point out, were very enthusiastic first adopters thinking mm-hmm. i am gonna i'm gonna help i'm gonna prevent this from yeah. happening to anybody else and they believed it they believed all of it yeah and then yeah. after one or two shots they were severely injured mm-hmm. and now rather than being thanked and embraced for hey thanks for for doing that we're sorry that you're hurt let's take care of you they are now got kicked out of the tribe and i'm talking about people who are liberal democrats that were all in and they got yeah. injured and suddenly now they're like i got injured by the vaccine and they're pro vaccine they're pro shot they're pro jab mm-hmm. all the way and the mere fact that they got injured relegated them to denigration and ostracization yeah uh, I, I just it's horrible you know what humanity is capable of doing to humanity uh when given this power uh of mm-hmm. uh of, mm-hmm. you know so sort of hashtag woke culture or the idea that Uh, We can virtue signal I'm better than you because I get the jab. You don't get the jab. You want me to die. You want grandma to die. All those things. And these people that believed all of it, got the shot, got hurt. And now they find out the people that were their friends and their supporters are no longer. Because how dare they get injured by the vaccine that was supposed to save us.
1: Right. And I think I think it's come to a point where the numbers are large enough that they can't, you know, they can't hide it anymore. I mean, like people are talking. I mean, there's a. every day there's a new facebook group that pops up you know like you know now there's a new one that i just saw recently that said uh died suddenly uh and, you mm-hmm. know it was so they're trying to like you know evade the uh sensors, but so be, you know people will talk and you know it's getting through and you can see that coming from even the very pro-vaccine doctors that we used to you know know and you know for lack of a better term hate. But they're like, you know, like tiptoeing around the idea, too. Like, you know, Peter Hotez is one of them and Paul Offit. I haven't heard from him in in ages. I mean, they are now questioning this annual, you know, uh, they're sort of questioning the annual COVID shot. And they're like, you know, so do we know the efficacy of this thing for us to mandate every year? I mean, like, you know, where's the data? Because even they don't have the data. Nobody has the, you know.
0: I think they're trying to save their butts because it's so ridiculous, right? They've done ridiculous things, both of those Mm -hmm. guys, off it and and all of them. But to now, they go, "Um, hmm, I'm going to be really on the wrong side of this one. And they can see it. So even those, and I don't do that to purposefully insult anybody who's in medicine or believes in medicine. I just, it has all the making of a cult, you know, blind faith, devotion, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, uh, sacraments, uh, sacrifice, uh, not being allowed to question demanding obedience, yeah. uh, ostracizing those who don't believe the same thing or don't do the same thing. And then you get this guy during a White House briefing on the new COVID-19 booster shots. This Dr. Ashish Ja, he's Biden's COVID-19 response coordinator. And I thought when I first heard this, this is totally a, an onion story or a Babylon B. This is not real. And of course, he's urging Americans to get a flu shot, claiming... Mm-hmm. Well, that's why, well, just watch, watch this. I really believe this is why God gave us two arms, one for the flu shot and the other one for the COVID. He he (laughs) said that not on a comedy show with a straight face at a COVID-19 response press briefing. Dr. Rochelle Walensky was in the background. Dr. Fauci was in the background. And he says, I believe God gave us two arms, one for the flu shot, one for the COVID shot. Tell me that's not a cult. This guy, he's a Biden advisor.
1: Well, I mean, he's a Biden advisor. That should tell us the whole story. (laughs) Obviously, he was on vacation when God handed out brains. He only got the hands. (laughs) (laughs) So, you know, but this is the kind of thing that they've been doing all along, if you think about it. I mean, they've been saying outrageous things about COVID and people have not flinched and they've, you know, No, I mean, they're afraid to call out
0: the emperor is buck naked and ugly.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't I don't understand that. I mean, that and of course, you know, like, you know, I'm going to bet you tomorrow they're going to come come around and, you know, they'll say like, oh, he was just joking. Uh, But I think he was pretty serious with that. And. uh I don't, I don't, I'm lost for, I'm at I might have lost for words. Well, know look, what it
0: do. gets even better. The good news is, he says, is you can get both your flu shot and COVID shot at the same time. It's actually a good idea. Now, where and when have they tested COVID jabs and flu jabs together? They're Never. Not, Never. Yeah. This guy says it's a good idea. Who is this guy and what are his qualifications? Not that I'm impressed with whatever they are, but whoever gave him qualifications should be embarrassed by what he's saying.
1: Yeah, yeah, but I mean, you know, they—they've all said stuff that you know they should be embarrassed about if they hear it again. I mean, like we had a medical director here of the Ohio Department of Health who said that you know, measles viruses or whatever viruses hang around desks and jump on you when you walk by. I mean, you know, that? yeah. I mean, like, and they—they they said on TV and it's like recorded. People poke fun at it and then they still continue to move on, like nothing was said, nothing wrong was said. So, you know, I it this is becoming routine. So this is like the way they're now trying to tell people, like, okay, you know, there's more coming. And like you said before, I think I might I think I mentioned this earlier on a show, you know, a couple of you know, I think it was last year. I mean, I looked up on Moderna's. Website. I mean, they have several of the childhood vaccines that are now being, you know, remade through the mRNA technology because it's cheaper, it's faster to make, and it's cheaper. So parents need to, at this point, really wake up.
0: Take your kids out of modern medicine. Protect them yeah, from doctors, yeah. thunderheads with MD degrees, degrees as I call them, but they're dangerous now, and they've always been dangerous. Uh, When they can't be questioned. And thankfully, a lot of doctors are questioning it. And I say it's about time. Uh, But I also try to be kind and loving and welcoming and forgiving. But no, it's rough. And many of them have to forgive themselves, in fact, to be able to help others now because of they've been participating in these atrocities. They are atrocities. Uh, I'm going to take a moment to say thanks to some of those folks that support this message of health, freedom and healing liberty. One of those things is, uh, you know, hopefully you don't have bug infestations where you are, Robbie. But for those that do and they want to take care of them safely, there is an ingredient that God made from orange peel, citrus peel, called delimonene. And this delimonene is utilized as a safe pesticide against ants and roaches and little creepy crawlies that you don't want. But it's not harming the environment. It's not poisoning your kids or your pets. And even if you grow organically like I do and I know Robbie does, you can use it around those, uh, if you have a problem, you can use it around those areas and not harm the food you're, you're growing for yourself or others. It won't poison them. And that is called Orange Guard. And you can go to orangeguard.com and get it directly. Or you can go to your local Ace Hardware and buy it there and say, thanks for carrying it. Or some of you in certain regions have it at Whole Foods as well. And you can say, hey, if you don't carry Orange Guard, you should. And uh, here's a shot of me in my greenhouse with the Orange Guard. And you can use it diluted for direct use on plants, so it doesn't harm them in any way. There's various ways to do it. and we talked about even with Tor McPartland uh, last week about how to use it on fire ant mounds without destroying the whole environment, poisoning everything that's growing around it, because you might not want those fire ants around your kids or anything if you're if you're growing. So there are safe ways to address those things. Also, I want to say thanks to our friends at Nutritional Frontiers, very heavily invested in education. They have certified organic. U.S. grown hemp CBD products that we use regularly in the RSB show family household, all of that. Uh, And they have the liquid uh, tincture forms. They have a transdermal delivery system. They have a hemp boost formula that kind of super activates the hemp in your body at lower doses and even uh, gummies that you can take. And if you want, you can uh, take a picture when you get samples. If you're in the United States, when you go to CBDNF.com and you mentioned the Robert Scott Bell show, they'll send you a bunch of samples, take a picture with them. And send them into Super Don. Ask RSB at gmail dot com. And you can do that also with the orange card because we're gonna be doing some giveaways soon. Uh so take a look at uh, participating in those things. And uh I don't know, Robbie, are you planning to go to the Health Freedom Expo this year in Chicago, Tinley Park Convention Center? You know, I have something
1: going on in that during that week. I'm still waiting. I haven't really uh done anything about it. Uh it's in October, isn't it?
0: Yes, it's October fifteenth and sixteenth. a Saturday, yeah. Sunday. I I would you know, you know my vote. I would love to see you there. We love to hang out with you. We have a great time together if it's possible. Oh
1: yeah. Yeah. Let me I, I'm gonna, you know, I'm gonna see if this, you know, we, we have one more thing that's, you know, scheduled in. I think it's that weekend because usually they used to have it the weekend after, right? The right, 21st. yeah. It
0: changes a little bit. But yeah, if you planned yeah. ahead and, and didn't didn't know, of course, but if you can make it, it'd be great. I'll be there So many of our friends will be there having a reunion and uh, it's a lot of learning, a lot of education lectures, a lot of times to where you can talk to one another, ask questions, engage in intellectual discussions, debates, even. And it's fun because there's a respect for freedom that is unique there. uh, That's that's the starting point.
1: It's a great conference. I remember I think the last time I was there, I met Patch Adams. That was like the highlight of it.
0: (laughs) That was cool. Patch Adams. Yeah, I remember that. That was awesome. Yeah. So, yeah, good stuff coming up. There's a lot of upcoming events. Uh, we're going to be at the National Health Freedom Co- Congress. I'll be there uh, the 23rd, 24th of September in Minneapolis, St. Paul, right outside by the airport near the Hilton there. Uh, we'll be talking health freedom strategies on the state level and federal, but a lot of state level stuff that's happening that you can implement. That's going to be great and a whole bunch of more. And so check out the upcoming events tab at robertscatbell.com, or you can just uh, text RSB to 22828 text rsb to 22828 let me see how do i get that oh that's a background thing i don't know how to even remove ourselves from it i won't bother but just text rsb to 22828 and then you'll be able to get plugged into the newsletter and learn about all the things that we are doing regularly here on the show and you know when robbie has something i want to put that in the newsletter right anytime you got an or an upcoming event you know you say you're starting to do those meetings again
1: yeah yeah i will let you know and then uh you can. I think the the it's probably going to be October twenty eighth. Okay. Uh, because I kept the twenty first weekend free, but uh and then we are actually going out for a Halloween camping.
0: The yeah, yeah. I love weekend. the fact that you're like such an outdoorsman. Yeah. Oh, we love the
1: outdoors, and our yeah. kid loves it too. I mean, she's like you know, elements outdoors. Yeah. She's great.
0: It is so amazing. So, where might you go at that time? Because uh, that's like a fall season. You could get some chilly weather, depending on where you end up.
1: Yeah, yeah. Th- that one, we actually try to stay around in Ohio somewhere. Okay. Uh, because they have a couple of uh, like Halloween type activities in some of the Jellystone parks. Oh, okay. So we probably end up going to one of those, and we have like three or four around here. Oh. Uh, cool. Yeah, we don't travel far during
0: that time. It reminds me, too, you, as we opened the show today, talking about the camping adventures you had in the Appalachians, the uh, great Smokies, right? Mm-hmm. And you, you were talking about, uh, I was just making fun of Smokies, but uh, moonshine as well, the culture yeah. there. There's quite a history in the Appalachia it, area. It, and the yeah. people are very unique. They're very hardy, very strong yeah. people. Uh, mm-hmm. And, you know, if if anybody wants to hide out, People can hide out for years in the Appalachian Mountains and never yes, be found. Yes. And if and you know how to survive there, it's pretty hard, it's pretty amazing.
1: It is. And it's a beautiful area and actually when you say that because we uh you know on a whim uh visited the uh, Cherokee Nation which is, you know, actually outside of uh Tennessee, it's like, you know, in North Carolina, but you know, it's still along the, uh, the Appalachian Trail. So we go there and I, you know, we took the uh, the village tour or whatever they called it and I got, you know, uh, my daughter, you know, she got bit by a fire ant while she was there and the lady who was doing the tour just ran out in the woods and bought this plant, you know, and then, you know, put it on her and in like 15 minutes uh, the stinging went away. So I got, you know, I got talking to her and. It's interesting that, you know, like she said that, you know, you're currently in a different country. And I'm like, what do you mean by that? And she's like, well, you know, when they were doing the resettlement of the Native Americans, those, in you know, the Natives there, the Cherokee Indians, apparently went and hid in the mountains and they never left. So they came back and somehow, you know, she, I didn't quite catch how they got it. I think there was some... Uh, person from here who was in the tribe and who made a deal with the government or whatever and so they basically have like a complete area that they govern themselves it's a a self-sovereign
0: nation yeah
1: yeah Yeah. i was and it's really nice so like we didn't we after i heard that i mean i went to the medicine man shop and i i could have spent like the whole day there yeah
0: (laughs) you and me both
1: oh my god there's so much stuff there and uh really nice people and and it's really well kept uh the roads the parks i mean you know the taxes collected go back into the nation and there's a casino and everything and you know it's like i'm like man this is what we need to do i mean how do how do we do this right
0: did, did you get adopted into the tribe yet
1: i wish i could i mean you know i'll do that in a in a heartbeat that's like a great area to live in i mean it does it's not you know uh i love mountains anyway so it was it was actually a really great experience i think we'll make that one of our annual trips hopefully you know probably it's like a 10-hour drive for us but it's still worth
0: it oh it sounds great uh, yeah. i really appreciate that and the fact that they're holding on to some of those native traditions uh,
1: oh yeah yeah yeah
0: so important to hold on to the the medicine of your ancestors so to speak mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know we were talking also about your origin in sri lanka uh, last time we had you on we were talking about the world economic forum and other things their yeah. their uh, ESG scores. Uh, and they pretty much the government of, of Sri Lanka just rolled over and said, okay, we'll do whatever you want. And they said, go organic all the way. And like, yeah. you think that Ravi and me would be going, yay, that's great. We're like, no, don't do that overnight. Do not yeah. do that. Yeah. You, you find out big. how fast that uh, people were starving yeah. uh, because they've relied, they've come to rely on factory farming methods and, and, and artificial fertilizers and things. And if you just go cold Turkey and, everyone is not also growing food everywhere mm-hmm. where they are, mm-hmm. that's a disaster. And yeah. uh, do you have any updates on what's happening in Sri Lanka that have kind of fallen out of the news since that initial uh, uh, uprising?
1: Yeah, things are getting a little bit better now because I think the, uh, the IMF has stepped in and I think India is providing some of the fuel aid and stuff like that. So people are starting to get uh, the fuel that was missing. I mean, the food situation is still not critical but it's still not you know super great uh but i think people are now doing a lot better than that time period in august when they were like starving yeah because i just talked to my uh mom tonight and they were like actually going outside and they were like going going about without being you know stuck in their home they still have power outages you know uh just like california but uh, <laughs> other than that i mean i think yeah
0: do they understand how important it is now? everybody starts to grow again
1: yeah i think I think that kind of walks some people up, but the unfortunate thing is people in Sri Lanka are no different than people elsewhere. Once things start getting comfortable uh they' take the
0: easy road yeah they'll
1: take the easy road mm-hmm. because that's what happened to us in the first place because we were a self sufficient nation we didn't you know import this stuff. Uh, we grow our own rice. I mean it was uh when I was growing up there, I mean like rice was grown in Sri Lanka. I mean now there's houses in those paddy fields and we import the rice from China. So yeah. that kind of stuff is never gonna go away. I mean, people like me who grow, you know, like we are, we grow things to grow because we know what's coming. Mm-hmm. Uh the only the people who know that are going to change and you know do things because they realize what could you know what could happen and what is going to happen in the future. So hopefully, you know, I don't know, maybe at least if 20% change, I mean, that's a a large number.
0: Well, we're not waiting uh, for others to change for us. We're having to do those things ourselves and be examples to others like you are with growing your own food, teaching people as well, Mm -hmm. which I love and appreciate you for. Um, Final story here as we wrap up with a few more minutes of discussion. Uh, Sugar disrupting the microbiome and immune function leading to metabolic disorders. When you grew up, how much sugar consumption do you remember having as a kid? Were you eating uh, and drinking all the candies and sodas you could? No. no, no, yeah,
1: no. Yeah, we don't. We don't. I mean, like fruit we did because, I mean, we are surrounded by fruit. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, we had like five different kinds of bananas growing in our backyard and we had two different kinds of mangoes in our yard. So, you know, we had all kinds of fruit, uh, passion fruit, you name it. But, you know, like processed sugar was minimal. I remember there was a time when we were like, you know, when I was growing up during the quote-unquote socialist era that Sri Lanka went through in the early 70s, they rationed sugar uh, because it was, you know, something that they imported. So we used to actually like take a little bit of sugar into our palm and, you know, that's how mm-hmm. we drank our tea. I mean, we didn't like get to, you know, add it to anything. So no, I mean, like we we never grew up with that kind of, you know, high sugar diet, which is the reason probably why that, you know, we ended up staying skinny.
0: Yeah. Uh, I I was, uh, you know, as I said, canary in the coal mine, part of the problem was processed foods, sugary Mm -hmm. snacks and tweet treats were widely available. They were inexpensive, very cheap. Yeah, And you know, we were part of that. Oh my gosh, look at all the stuff that comes wrapped in cellophane. We don't have to bake anything. Mm -hmm. Just open it up and eat it. Oh yeah. I remember little Debbie's, all the things I grew up with. And of course that created a lot of problems, but no doctor told my mom and dad, Hey, maybe that's not a good thing. And yeah, here's a medical yeah. news today article talking about the disruption of the microbiome. No one had ever heard of a microbiome way back when they weren't talking about the gut and the way we right. do today, but it's, it's, it's very impactful that, you know, sugar has a, almost an antibiotic effect, not an, a.
1: It it actually kills, I mean, mean, it actually, so the microbiome is closely connected to your immune system. I mean, that's Mm -hmm. what happens. I mean, you know, when it disrupts the microbiome, your immune system kind of crashes. And then, you know, you have all these, you know, the possibilities of, you know, wrong kinds of bacteria growing in, yeast growing up. And this is the reason why. I mean, then then those microbes uh, don't work you know, with the immune system as the good ones do. Yeah. And people just think that, you know, if they eat sugar and throw, you know, probiotics at their gut that things are gonna work. It doesn't. It's It's like not enough. No. No. I mean, I I think probiotics, just taking them without like recreating the gut, you know, lining and the and the area for them to grow and you see this
0: article this in this article, one of the quotes is high doses of sugar cause damage to the gut lining. Mm-hmm. triggering even more inflammation on and on it goes. So your point is well taken. This is what I've been lecturing on for years. How do we repair the integrity of the lining, the home yeah. for the microbiome? That's law of the terrain stuff. And we're going to have to leave it there, uh, Dr. Ravi.
1: Wonderful. Thank you for having me. It's always a pleasure.
0: It's good to see you, my brother. And I don't know if it's possible that that weekend opens up so you can be at Health Freedom Expo. I you know. love it. And uh, anytime you can see Dr. Ravi at any of the events that he's going to have, You you want to be there. It's always an engaging time and uh it's a great time together. So thank you, Robbie, for being with me on my travel day. And uh we're gonna kick into gear with an encore hour that Super Don curated just for you or all of you. And uh stick around because it'll be a surprise even to me. And it's usually really cool. Well, a little uh throwback visit to something that we did before. But Dr. Robbie Kulasakura, my brother, love to you and your family, and uh remember the power to heal is yours.